0: Jeff Kober and we welcome you to another podcast with Disney at Work. This has been a very busy month as we've covered so many different topics and themes. We've gone around the world to cover our what we love about the Disney parks. It's been an opportunity to just think about why we go to Disney parks and when they're all closed across the world, what we most love about them and and just to kind of imagine what it'd be like to come visit each of those Disney parks. It's been a fun series. We've gone from Asia to, to Europe. And uh, next week, we go to North America to the Disneyland Resort. Additionally, we've had some very important podcasts dealing with the pandemic, Leading Disney in Difficult Times, Episode 74, and especially Episode 78, Reopening Disney, which is uh, really just probably the uh, most in-depth podcast that has been delivered, or any post for that matter, about all of the kinds of issues Disney has to look at in order to get itself back open and to make it safe for both its guests and employees. Building off of that podcast today, we're going to talk about guest compliance at Disney. How Disney will get guests to follow safe practices after the parks reopen during this COVID nineteen period, you know um, you've heard the expression, "Please stand clear of the doors." Por favor, manténgase alejado de las puertas. Soon you may be hearing, "Please stand clear of others." Por favor, manténgase alejado de los otros. The truth of it is, is that Disney is known worldwide for its outstanding guest service. It's it's just one of the things that makes Disney stand out and why so many people love coming to Walt Disney World, to Disneyland, to the resorts all around the world. But as good as its customer service is, probably most people don't realize how much Disney emphasizes compliance when dealing with guests who pay thousands of dollars to vacation at their parks. Consider, for instance, the following requirements. Cast members only, meaning stay out of designated areas. Must meet the height requirement in order to board the attraction. Stay behind the yellow line until the doors of the attraction open. Remain seated at all times while riding. Return with your fast pass between 1.10 and 2.10. Checkout from the hotel is 11 a.m. And then finally, Por favor, manténgase alejado de las puertas. Isn't it amazing that that expression is so loved you find it on T-shirts and on coffee mugs? How is it that guests have embraced a statement that basically tells you, stay clear of the doors? It's basically direction. It's basically mother telling you what you should be doing. And yet people embrace it. In fact, that's the incredible thing about Disney is Disney has a way of spreading magic in a way that gets you to do the things that others really actually have a hard time getting you to do. Now, mind you, in addition to all those standard requirements that have been there, you know, fast pass return times and standing behind the yellow line, in addition to those requirements, there are now going to be any number of possible mandates that will be put in place. And they're not just going to be for the guests, They're going to be for the employees. Today, the Orange County Economic Recovery Task Force, and I have a link on our show notes, and be sure to um, hit our show notes page because we've got lots of great photos illustrating some of the ideas we're going to talk about today. Um, If you go to that video, it's about the 22-minute mark. They share some potential guidelines for what might be required for parks, hotels, and restaurants. Now, mind you, they're in charge of speaking to the larger community, Um, the reality, but but listen to these guidelines here, here, and, and this is how it was phrased. I'm not sure how they're going to be governed, but these are my recommendations. Well, considered would be the following, and this is to not just the guests, but to employees. Staff, 65 and older, being encouraged to stay at home. Employees, being encouraged to stay home if they have flu-like symptoms. Bartenders, to sanitize hands after making each drink order, staff behind the co- counters wearing gloves, all employees wearing face masks, taped marking of six feet apart in ride attraction queues, and spacing of pool f- furniture. And most of those actually are employee requirements. They really didn't set out too much of what was going to be expected guess, in fact. That study didn't even say whether or not the guests should be wearing a mask when they're in a park or a restaurant or whatever. And of course, these would be more the minimum and what is expected of IHOP or um, of Perkins or any restaurant or any motel along 192 or I-Drive. People would obviously expect more of Disney, but it isn't just sufficient to post a requirement. You can say all you want about what you want them to do. But getting people to do what you want them to do, getting them on board to do it, that's a whole different picture. And how do you do that? Well, we have an acronym because I work in so many organizations in the public, private, nonprofit sector, I got the same issue. Uncle Sam, they're trying to get you to pay your taxes. Over at the hospitals, they're trying to follow HIPAA laws. Over here at uh, the bank, they're trying to get you to pay your credit card off in time. Doesn't matter what the organization is, everybody has some aspect of compliance. Now, with compliance, getting people to do something, you can run from an enforcement mentality that says, okay, do this or else, like, you know, do this or you're fired. And, you know, that works for some things and and should be in place for some many things, perhaps, but don't think that that's all that you're going to be able to do is hold some stick and say, we're going to fire you, especially in an, in an arena where we had pretty low unemployment before we got into this thing. They ain't going to work for your employees. And then we get into the gas. You're, you're, you know, it's, it's not always so easy. And so what really works is what we refer to as a winning compliance approach, as opposed to an enforcement mentality. We have five ways to approach winning compliance, and we do that in an acronym called RULES. RULES stands for Relevant, Uniform, Lead, L, Lead with Honey, Educate, E, and S for Support. Now, our podcast is going to look at at the details doing each of these. And what's gonna be interesting is you're gonna see that Disney in their standard operation actually does these things incredibly well, even though their focus is really on guest experience, making sure you do what would make the guests happy. in truth, they do a lot of things that really answer to the issue of how do you get a guest on board to doing what you want them to do. And so in this podcast, we're going to cover that. Make sure you take a look at the notes page when you get a chance. Maybe you're driving, can't do it now, but later on, take a look at our notes page because we've got some great images that support these very concepts. And finally, before we get into it, remember, this is a Disney at Work podcast. And so it's not just about Disney. It's about your organization as well. What of these ideas could be adapted to your organization in making it more successful? especially because all of us have some requirements we put on either customers or on employees. Let's take a look at the first one. The first is relevant. What does relevant mean? Relevant means, is this policy, is this role, is this procedure, is this process, is it really necessary? How many times do we say, why why do you do it that way? And you get a response from an employee because that's the rule because that's what they tell us to do. That usually is a red flag to say, "Mm, is it really relevant? If you can't explain why this is an important thing to do, it's going to be very difficult to get them to do it. Now I show an image in the show notes page of a model that was created of Disneyland on opening day in 1955. It's posted, the model is showcased in um, the um, foyer before you go into great moments with Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland. And when you look at this model, once you take a, a closer look at, at the um, garden spaces that are in front of the Plaza Inn or what was known back then as the Red Wagon Inn, one of the problems they had early in the days is that the guests were cutting through these fairly large green spaces um, that were adorning uh, the area in front of the restaurant. They were cutting through in order to get to Tomorrowland on a hurry. And heaven knows they still do that today, right? Well, one day Walt was coming through and he noticed that the gardeners were taking what was these this kind of small wire fencing. It's, it's really quite tacky, but easy to put in. But it, they were putting this wire fencing around the planters. And I imagine it didn't ap- appeal to Walt. It didn't look Um, very impressive. Now they do fencing around certain planters today and that's, that's all fine. But at that time they didn't, they weren't at that level and this looked cheap, right? And so Wald inquired, why are you putting up these fences? Well, the gardeners quickly explained, well, here's what's happening is we open the park and these guests are just cutting through these planters, cutting through this green area in order to get to Tomorrowland. And so we're putting up these little fences to keep them from uh, going through there. Well, Walt took a look at that and said, guys, have you considered the possibility that maybe the guest is right? Maybe we should have a path through here instead of a big green planter? Indeed, when you look at the area today, and I posted a photo of this, there are paths cutting through those former spaces. It's, it's, it's a great example of asking the question, why? is it necessary that guests or customers comply? And if you don't have a good reason, then you may want to consider getting rid of the requirement. Many policies, in fact, it's kind of interesting as we've gone through this, many of the policies in terms of reservations and so forth have largely been stepped aside and probably will be for a little while. For instance, canceling your reservation. And that's a policy, that's a procedure, and you require a complier, there's a penalty to it. Disney's kind of brushed that to the side. I would ask the question, is that really needed long-term? How needed is it to have some of these policies and procedures that you're brushing away temporarily? Could long-term they be going? Is it truly gonna make a difference? Will the customer recognize the benefits of complying? Are there real consequences if they fail to comply? Does the requirement lose relevance because the systems for ensuring compliance are so burdensome? And really, how do you, how do you get a, a complier on board uh, to making it relevant? If you can't get them on board, then you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. So relevance is the first letter in our acronym rules. The second is uniform. Uniform means that when you put out a policy or procedure, you need to make it pretty consistent across the board. It drives people crazy when they see a rule one place and they see it another place. For And in fact, I, I got to love this. Um, I don't know if you realize, but in the queue for Star Tours, um, since it's been remodeled, they've taken two of the droids and put them in what is really a play on TSA at the airports. Uh, in particular, the, the OneDroid, before you go into the boarding area, is actually running checks on you um, to see if you're in compliance. And I think in the My Magic program, they were really going to have somebody actually talking to you and kind of calling you out. Um, that has kind of gone away, kind of like uh, Mr. Potato Head kind of talking to you. It doesn't happen as much if it happens at all anymore. The truth is, one of the frustrating things about compliance is inconsistency. People don't wanna be surprised by the rules. And I get that. I travel way too frequently. Um, In fact, I hit the million miler last year for Delta. And you know what? I don't have a problem going through TSA usually in my hometown Orlando or in Atlanta or LA or New York or any of the big cities. Not a big problem. Internationally, not a big problem either but put me in Bo Diddley, Iowa. And I tell you what, I, if you didn't know that Barney Fife had been put in charge of the TSA, I don't know what's going on. Every time I hit a small town airport, it suddenly seems like there are more rules for getting through than there was ever before. And I get so frustrated trying to figure out what do you want me to do? And I've, I've said on one occasion, I remember saying to somebody, uh, you know what? I fly through all these airports and they don't require me to do this. Well, if they read the rules, they'd know that they should be doing this, so they're the ones who fall for not doing it. You know, that kind of that kind of moment where things are not uniform, that drives people crazy. And let me tell you, a lot of people go crazy when they get to the airport because they don't know what's expected of them. I had a similar experience the other day. At Walmart now since this is all started I've been wearing a face mask I got a, a very clever one that my wife made with the Incredibles on it and I and I have a daughter who um, really um, could um, be impacted terribly by this virus and so we have to be careful what we bring in so when I go to this Walmart when I have to do those groceries when I have to go into a store and we try to order things um through stores, so we pick it up with it not, but, but when we have to go in, I wear a mask. Well, I kind of watched Walmart over time, and they were kind of slow to getting on board, but then they kind of said, yeah, everybody should be wearing a mask, and everybody coming in should be wearing a mask. Well, the other day, I came in, and I was totally befuddled by the number of people not wearing a mask. Now, some of them are international guests. Maybe they don't get it. Maybe they just arrived in town. I, maybe they just didn't have anything to wear. I kind of get that, but when I come around the corner and I see Walmart employees, and let me say I saw probably four of them during my stay there for a 20-minute stay. I saw four of them not wearing masks. And here, here's what Cobra starts doing. Cobra starts giving the evil eye to people when he sees them not wearing their mask. And I don't want to be, I don't want to give people the evil eye. But I'm sitting there looking, really? Why are we all doing this at this point? If this is what's expectation, let's all, and it was the expectation outlined in our counties. Why aren't we all on board to doing it? And so the uniformity thing, it's a big thing. I'll give you another example. Um, I have an annual pass to the Disney parks. And, um, and for a long time, you you for a long time you just showed the annual pass, that's fine, go on through. And then he started going through this period. I guess maybe people were taking advantage of the annual pass because it is free parking. And so the next thing you know, they were they were asking for your ID. Sometimes they'd ask for your ID, sometimes they didn't ask for your ID. And I was always just kind of a little frustrated because if you want the ID, ask for it. Ask for it all the time. And 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 let's just do this. Finally, they did put a small sign by each window and said, please show your ID and and annual pass. And you know what? I don't have a problem with that. I'm happy to do that. The expectation is uniform. I'm ready to go. I'm not having to second play it, not having to go back through the wallet again. Just get it uniform. It makes the guest experience win uniform. Let me give a, a, a third example. You know that when you approach a, a ride that has a height requirement, you have this height requirement stand, such as... Uh, The one I show, uh, a picture of a hydrant or pump at Big Thunder Mountain. Very cleverly themed. And it shows that you need to be, um, I believe, 40 inches to go on Big Thunder Mountain. States it on the sign. You get it clear as to where the child or the individual needs to be at least the height of in order to go on this attraction. They do that to make it very consistent. So it isn't left to being a guess of the employee but it's like we all get it it's all and you know if there's a little smudging of a difference they'll let it go but at least we have the whole thing very uniform and and that's what get, guests don't want to be surprised when they take their youngin and they head out to Big Thunder Mountain they think their child's 40 inches and all of a sudden eh, maybe not you know for many years especially prior to Fastpass they implemented these height certification certification cards like the ones below and this too is part of making getting people on board because what happens if your child doesn't measure up? What then happens? And for a number of years, they did this where they provided, for instance, a space mountain here at Walt Disney World, what was referred to as the mouse certification. When a child was too young, they would s- start going through the policy as parents switch off or whatever, and they would hand you a little card, a little tiny wallet-sized card to the child and on that card that mouse Mousetronaut certification card it says this is to certify that when you will be fully that you will be fully qualified to experience the high speed intergalactic thrills of space mountain when you can stand as tall as the posted signs parenthetically without the aid of zero gravity i was tall enough to ride on lisa blank for the date and they tell the child hey when you're that height requirement, you come back, bring that card, and we will put you to the front of the line. Oh, let me tell you that child grasps that card, and then they're excited, and now the parents are hit up for another trip to Walt Disney World. But hey, it, it, I love the concept because it underscores making compliance um, both uniform, but it also underscores the idea of sweetening the deal. On being compliant, which leads to our next concept: leading with honey. When you walk down Main Street USA at the start of the day, have you ever seen the cast members standing on the sidewalk waving to you as you well and welcoming you as you come to the park? You see them a lot of times they'll get Mickey gloves or something and wave with you with the Mickey gloves and say hi to you as you come down. You feel cheered on as you come down Main Street. Why do they do that? Well, partly because it really is quite welcoming and it's a great greeting. But there's another reason to it as well. It reinforces the idea that maybe you ought not be running down there to get in front of the line or get to wherever you want to be first. And so it kind of, without even saying it, and sometimes they will say, hey, slow down, slow down, be careful. But most of the time, just waving and that type of thing kind of gently nudges you, oh yeah, I better walk here. Walk fast maybe, but walk. And and you know what, it's the same principle. If you've been in the retail business for, for a while, you know this principle, that, that if you want to reduce shoplifting, one of the key things you need to do is greet a guest when they come into a retail establishment. And so by doing that, by greeting guests within the first few seconds when they come into a retail place, it actually and data shows it will reduce um shoplifting in fact let me just tell you all of these ideas here are that are part of winning compliance all these rules that we talked about this acronym when you put these in motion let's let me just tell you you actually get greater compliance and it usually costs you a whole lot less than taking an enforcement mentality Because when you take an enforcement mentality, then you're opening yourself up to maybe having them arrested or having them put in jail or having them fined or having them go to court. All those things are very expensive. So what you want to do is you want to just put a little touch of Disney magic on it. Lead them with honey, as I kind of just said, and get them on board. So one of the best ways to get people to comply is just simply build relationships of trust with them. Of course, this isn't always easy when you're dealing with massive crowds. It's especially difficult for people in a security guard or a police role. That's why I love this citation. Again, I have a copy of it on the, on the notes page, but this used to be handed out by Walt Disney World Security. Listen very carefully. This, it says citation, big stamp all over it. You've been cited for having a great day at Walt Disney World. Then you put in the time, date, location, guest name, and then you click, off, click on one of the following having more fun than the law allows, making a U-turn with the stroller, impersonating your children, riotous behavior, picture taking with your lens cap on, impersonating a Disney character, not being in the picture, dancing in the streets, grumpy, sleepy, bashful, snazzy, etc. Miscellaneous. you write something in. But this was just a great little way to kind of build the relationship and kind of gently urge people to kind of do what you want them to do to kind of create a better guest experience. Now let me apply it, if I may, to this um, coronavirus situation. Right as we were getting into closing the Disney parks, Disney managed to get a whole lot of signs and they put them on the mirrors in the restroom. And these signs said, please wash your hands for 20 seconds. Now, first of all, just washing your hands is a big thing in the men's restroom. I do not want to, I I just do not want to put the ugly into this podcast. But ladies, I need to tell you, a good two thirds of most men do not wash their hands in a restroom. So just, if we could get people to wash their hands in a restroom, that will do so much more to stopping the spread of germs. Getting them to do it for 20 seconds, that's even, that's just darn right brilliant. Uh, now, mind you, they had to get those signs out right away and get something out there to kind of remind the guests. But what Disney does best is not just putting up a sign. In fact, let me just say that if your compliance strategy is putting up a sign, you're not going to be really successful. I kind of like this sign and I post it in the, in the show notes. This used to actually be in the, uh, in the queue for the meet and greet for, um, Monsters Incorporated back when it was in the back part of, uh, of, um, the studios. Now it's a Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but there used to be a sign. And of course, you know, um, Roz, how she just has these always looking at you. I'm always looking. Well, always looking at you. Is that what you want as a compliance strategy in the bathroom? Is that have some full-time employee? Oh, I'm looking at you. Always looking at you. I love this. I love this as is kind of a little bit of humor here. Attention, and these are in big, bold letters. Attention, employees must wash paws, claws, and or tentacles before returning to work. And then in bold, do not eat the soap. And then in very cursive, you know, it says, let's work together (laughs) in my management. And uh, I I love this sign because it's a play on all those signs that are out there. Um, I have to say... um, And, 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 and you see this actually, if you go to the Starbucks, it's the Starbucks at Disneyland on main street, there's, you know how these, you have those beautiful ceramic plates sometimes with a little quote on it. Well, by the little sink that they have, the little hand sink they have, they have this beautiful decorative plate and it says, wash your hands. It's just a subtle way thematically of carrying out the idea of what you need to do. Tokyo Disney has taken it to a whole new level. And by the way, if you you look for this online, you can actually buy this product. But Tokyo, a couple of years ago, (laughs) put in these these wash basins that dispensed Mickey-shaped soap suds. And let me tell you the line of not just kids, but adults wanting to get these Mickey sup- soap suds went out the door. Totally upset. But do you see how these kinds of ideas, these are the things that, that that lead with honey, that get people to do it. Not just putting it, don't put up a sign. In fact, actually, let me just add another one, Bob Evans. They've had a lo- sign for a long time that said, do you know that in the time that it takes for you to wash your hands, you should be able to sing Old MacDonald Had a Farm? So let's get along saying Old McDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on that farm he had a pig, E-I-E-I-O, um, oink oink here and an oink oink there, here and oink there and oink everywhere and oink oink, Old McDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Um, it's just that having a fun approach is the Disney approach to getting people to comply. Now mind you, it's not just about Disney. This is about your organization as well. So When it comes to uniform, you know, you want to think about, you know, how can you be more consistent in your expectations? When it comes to leading with honey, you could say, how do we make this pill easier to swallow? It's a spoonful of sugar. It's the Mary Poppins theory of compliance. How can we better meet the needs of those we're serving? How do we get everybody on board to it? So that's lead with honey. And it's a great, it's a great example. The next one is educate. Educating your guests as what they should or shouldn't do is a big part of creating compliance. A lot of times people don't do what you want them to do because they have no clue. They had no idea. For example, guests have intuitively come to know that there's an on stage and an off stage portion to the parks. This is usually played out with signs that say cast members only please. In recent years, these signs have been themed out with other creative messages tied to the attraction or land. They belong to, we, we posted a few on, on the uh, podcast. One of the big efforts that has been made over the years to reinforce the message of safety is to educate young people. How do they know how, what is safe? And so have you ever received any of the Timon and Pumbaa series of trading cards? We show some of these on the site and it's great, you know, and they deal with all sorts of things. Um, no stampeding. Keep arms, hooves, tusks, and tails inside the vehicle at all times. Um, stay seated at all times with what is kind of a reflection of Timon. Kind of looks like Roger Rabbit as well. Have fun in the sun. Don't get overdone. Meaning, uh, you know, don't get burned. And These are things you do to educate people. A lot of times the problem is people just don't know. And so if you want greater compliance, educate them educate them not only in what is important to do, but how to do it. Which brings us to our final letter, which is support. The final letter in our approach is getting customers and guests to comply through support. Let me give you an example of this. The stroller. You've, you Have you had a stroller in the park? For years, you'd kind of come up to an attraction. You'd see an open space. You'd stick your stroller there, and you go on the right. Eventually, there were so many strollers that cast members started to put the strollers, because they were in their way, they'd start putting these strollers into little areas. So you'd get off the ride and go, well, where's my stroller? And so the cast member would kind of do a two-finger point and say, it's over here. Or if, if they were on top of it, they'd tell you where to park before you parked it. I love the signage for Jedi Training Academy, recognizing that um, they're going to be Um, A lot of families, there may be a child participating in the Jedi Training Academy, but there might be a younger sibling. They created the Padawan Transport Parking. And you see the picture of these strollers with a kid holding a lightsaber. It's just, uh, you know, very Star Wars themed and just very well, Very, it's a perfect way of communicating where you need to park. In fact, but, but in terms of support, I don't know if you've noticed, but in recent years, they've done an even better job of thinking through in advance where they want stroller parking. So if you go to Dumbo's Flying Elephants at Magic Kingdom and Storybook Circus, you'll actually see that there is an area, alcove, dedicated to stroller parking that doesn't interfere with guest flow, that doesn't interfere with the queues or the ride or attraction or anybody else's operation. It's all separated. They're thinking more, in terms of how can we better support this experience to make it easier. At Kilimanjaro Safaris, they take your stroller, if you recall, they take that stroller and they park it for you. So allowing you to take it as far as you can, and then they take it from you. Again, the idea of support. Let me give you another example. Did you know the drinking fountains on property are the result of creating compliance? This goes back about 100 years ago. And I have this link and you got to check it out. I use the example of a water fountain in front of the Tower of Terror at Tokyo Disneyland. There is this section, the restroom section is called the New York City Waterworks. And there's this beautiful tiled fountain with water coming out from the mountains to the metropolis. This is based on what had, what was created a hundred years ago. People were trying to get people to use the drinking fountain. Now that sounds kind of weird, but back then, a hundred years ago, there wasn't a drinking fountain. If you wanted a drink, where did you go to get it? You went to the bar and usually what you drank was alcohol. And the problem a hundred years ago was because there was no availability of clean water, people were usually turning to drinking and and juvenile alcoholism was a a really terrible thing. So please read this article. It's fascinating that this little tribute, but it's a form, form of compliance. Another one you're probably a lot more familiar with is trash receptacles. You probably heard, and I, if, I've, I, if I had a dollar for every time and said, well, you know, there's actually, actually every 20 steps, a trash receptacle is placed. So, because they've measured how far a guest will go before they will drop a piece of litter. Well, there is truth to that. A guest will only go so far before they um, drop a piece of litter but the truth of it is is that they're not all 20 um, paces apart sometimes they're a little closer sometimes a little further away in fact in a in an eyes and ears to cast members a number of years ago they asked the question factor fantasy the walt disney world resort has a top secret mathematical formula for placing trash cans throughout their theme parks fact there are guidelines But they are top secret according to Traction's um, business manager, Wayne Culver, who opened the Walt Disney World Custodial Department in 71. The general guidelines for parks, streets, and pathways is approximately one can every 100 feet. This is highly variable and subject to conditions. For example, in some areas of the Epcot Promenade, the spacing is further apart. However, as you approach vendor carts, outdoor food and beverage areas, and more crowded spaces, the spacing is denser. For quick soup service food locations, uh, there can be one f- trash can for every 40 tables. The, the standard has changed um, very little since opening in 71. And, and this is true. When Walt Disney Imagineering designs our parks, they always consult with custodial and operations experts before drawing the... Um, cans on the park layout drawings. The drawings are used to initially place the cans and reflect the spacing guidelines above. However, custodial operations have full latitude to move the cans. Yeah, actually, there is a sheet in the blueprints and it has nothing more to do than to say this is where we think that the trash cans ought to go. So it's an interesting little thing. But the fact of the matter is, it is a very interesting thing how cleanliness reads cleanliness. And by supporting the guest experience, people are more, but with providing trash receptacles, people are more likely to, to put the trash in a, in a trash receptacle. So it's a really, it's an interesting thing. By the way, the picture I show is of two trash receptacles. Um, One is waste, please. And the other is recycled, please. And notice that they both say, please, again, part of that winning compliance strategy. Uh, a number of years ago, I want to say, I would to say late 90s, people were complaining because Disney did not have recycle cans. And they were like, really, Disney, you ought to be more with it. You ought to be, you know, it's, it's an era where we ought to be all recycling. And I can't believe you don't provide recycling cans. That, that should be. So Disney put out trash recycling cans. The fact, however, is that since the early 1970s, Walt Disney World has been separating out its trash and, and recycling it in a place, this big blue building that's um, north of Disney's Animal Kingdom. You couldn't possibly see it from there, but it's a little bit north of that, south of Magic Kingdom Parking in that space. They've been sorting out their trash for years. They've been in the recycling program long before most people were thinking about it. But, you know, there's this, this expectation, the guests have, and it's, it's an interesting thing. So here's the long and short of it, is that there are these rules, right? Um, you've got to make it relevant, you've got to make it uniform, you got to lead with honey, you got to um, educate people, and you got to support people. And all these things are going to play a role as we put out these measurements. Are you going to require somebody everybody in the parks to wear for instance a mask are you going to require them to stay six feet apart all these kinds whatever rule you make it's got to follow these five five um guide five guidelines for winning compliance because otherwise you probably are not going to be successful if you don't win guests over to to being compliant now i also talk about a final thing called principles i usually refer to as rules and principles and in it i have a picture of what is the code of conduct at oga's canteen and um it it's a picture that you see if you have been to oga's canteen you have passed the code of conduct it's right there it is right there by the door do you know what the code of conduct says are you familiar with any of its rules or regulations? Have you spent time in that cantina and you do not know what the rules of conduct are when you are in that cantina? Shame, 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 shame on you for not knowing what the expectations of your behavior should be when in Oga's cantina. Well, the fact of the matter is it's in Arabic or whatever that Star Wars uh, fountain is, but you can actually take the app and you can translate it. and uh, And that's where it gets really kind of cool. And I put the translation on the site Let me just read the Cantina Code of Conduct because you probably didn't know it. And so listen carefully. You might want to take notes. No Kowakian monkey lizards, period. No staring, period. No fighting, biting, or ripping off limbs, period. Take nothing, comma, leave nothing, period. Clean up after your animal, creature, or droid, period. This part is in red, by the way. Wookiees. Two drink maximum, no exceptions, period. Then finally, they some things crossed out, got, which I gotta love about rules, you know, that rules kind of change and crossed out. Love this sign. But then finally says, okay, Ogegaro's approval needed for all deals over 10,000 credits. I love this sign. I love translating the sign. I love this sign because it symbolizes how we generally approach getting people to do something. We put up a sign. We think that by putting up a sign, everybody's going to comply. And putting up a sign ain't going to do any good, any better than that sign that had 16 different rules on it at the local swimming pool, the hotel swimming pool, the YMCA swimming pool, or whatever swimming pool, school swimming pool you had, had all those rules, no spit, no nothing, whatever, in that pool. And when you were eight years old, did you read those rules? Can you really name them all? No. You don't pay attention to them. The longer you make that sign... the the more people are not going to pay attention to. The fact of the matter is the secret to life is to teach people correct principles and then they will better govern themselves. That's the secret. So the principles section is let's teach people the importance of why we comply. Not just what compliance is and what is expected of you, but teach the why behind compliance. When we do that, guess what? You get so much more support. Well, that kind of gives you a sense of what winning compliance looks like. Disney does it really well. The challenge is Disney's got to use these same principles and ideas as they move forward with these new rules expected in the park. Um, And so remember I said at the beginning, this podcast is not so much about Disney. It's about you and your organization. So think for a moment, um, how do these ideas apply? Are you really working from an enforcement mentality in what you do? I'm not just talking about COVID-19, but all the things you require of your employees. Is it really from an enforcement mentality? Or have you considered a winning compliance mentality and getting people to do what you want them to do in our notes page we always have for a disney at work podcast souvenirs for you and your organization so be sure to check that out lots of bullet points of things to consider in order to um, win compliance through rules and principles thank you so much for joining us for this disney at work podcast we've got so many more podcasts to come we are excited i think it will not be too long before the disney parks reopen we'll be there sharing that experience and we'll probably go back over these and see how well does disney do in terms of rules and principles and waiting compliance but we'll also share so much more what it's like to be back at the parks we also have our series of Disney at Play, what we love about the parks. We're going to the Disneyland Resort talking about Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. So be sure to subscribe. If you if you like what we're doing as a podcast, boy, help us communicate it to others by going to iTunes and just giving us a really good rating and even a review. That makes a lot of difference to whatever numbers are out there, the algorithms that figure out what uh what podcasts to show up when people are looking for a given podcast we're we're just a little little puppy we're in our 80s uh right here for for the number of podcasts but we have some great ones and if you haven't heard some of the ones before be sure to check those out as well know that um this is what i do for a living i go into organizations and i bring these ideas and principles and then i help them to be more compliant or more customer savvy or to get their employees more engaged or on board or build their leadership. If you're looking for that in your own organization, hey, would you give me a call? Let's talk about your needs. I'll just listen. That's least I can do is listen to your needs and maybe I can offer something. If nothing else, check out our our books that we offer, The Wonderful World of Customer Service at Disney, which has been, and it's in our second edition and it's been our most popular book. Well, that has uh, has a whole chapter dedicated to this winning compliance. Some really great stories about Epcot and security. Well, I'm not gonna go down that path. It's like another memory, but it really emphasizes these ideas. And so check out that book as well as our others that we have uh, listed at our disneyatwork.com site. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. Check us out there because we've got some great videos as well. And uh, in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, which is episode 37, got to check that one out. Be sure to always follow the compass of your heart. Hey, have a great day. We'll be back with you again soon.